Well, we're continuing to walk through some of the resurrection stories, and today's is no different. We're looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. This will be familiar, a familiar story to you, so I just ask that you kind of center yourself and just listen to these words in a new way this morning. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you, are, while you walk along? They stood, they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, there they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scripture. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? The same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the the eleven and their companions gathered together, They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. 
May God grant us understanding of these words today, the word of God for the people of God. So the road to Emmaus, it's a familiar story, I think, at least to some of us. And as we continue to walk through these post-resurrection story, I'm so grateful that we're taking the time to, to meander through them, to walk a little more slowly, to let them absorb into our very being. Because I really feel like these stories connect to us here and now in ways that are so powerful. I feel like they can speak to us where we are, wherever that might be. It's not, however, that they try to tell us what to believe and how to believe. Not really. Instead, these stories invite us to ask some questions and make some connections with our journeys and our struggles. And I think these stories also give us hope. Today's gospel, The Road to Emmaus, is no different than the ones that we've done before in this way. It gives us hope. It connects with our lives. It connects with our stories, our journeys, our sorrows, our brokenness. All of those things. And it invites us to question, as I said before. And I don't think that it has these particular answers to those questions, because I think that God has given us a brain, a brain that we can, we can contemplate and think about these things, these stories, these scriptures. But it kind of gives us a map of a journey. Let me tell you more about that. This particular map that we have shows us the intersections of Jesus and our lives. You know, the last two years have been incredibly strange and incredibly hard. And none of us have a map or a, this is the way to get through this because it's so different than anything we've ever experienced or lived through. And so this could be a map kind of of those story of, of the, our journey there, but I think it's also more personal than that. I think it's a map of how our stories work as well. I think that in a lot of ways, each of us experience our lives being torn apart in one way or another. We experience our lives being set adrift. And then we experience our lives being restored with hope. As I look back over my life, I kind of see that, that meandering, you know, like Billy with the, the comics who his mom tells him to come and he has to go through all the yards. Do you know that cartoon, Family Circus? And I think our lives kind of go like Family Circus. We go in and out and over and under and through. And eventually we get where we need to be. And sometimes we get where we need to be and then the road 
changes again and we go on in a way that might not be what we expected. So this story describes a journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus and back to Jerusalem. Did you notice that pattern in that scripture? They're on their way to Jerusalem, or they're on their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they turn around and go back. How many times have we started in one direction only to find out it's not the direction for us? How many times going back changes everything? How many times does that happen? So now we're looking at these two, Cleophas and, and his companion, and we're looking at them, and they're going down this road. And I think that we might be able to relate a little bit to them on some level, because have you ever felt like you had to get away? The place where you are is just too hard. The place where you are is just too dark. The place where you are is just too uncomfortable. Or have you ever felt like life has given you more than you can handle? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever run away from life? Have you ever been so deeply disappointed you don't know where you're going to put your next foot? Have you ever lived with unmet expectations? If so, this story that we're looking at today is for you. Consider this. If you think about when you felt the most lost, when you felt that your life has been turned upside down, have you ever wrestled with some really big questions in that space? Who am I now? What's next? Where do I go from here? What do I do? And I will be really brutally honest with you that sometimes we do everything right and it doesn't work out the way we planned it to work out. There was a time when I thought I had it all figured out. I applied for the perfect job and I didn't get it. And I look back at that time and I know that that no meant yes to what I do now. But in the place I was at that time, it was really hard. Another question, have you ever grieved the death of a loved one, a dream? Maybe it's an identity that you, or a hat that you want to wear. Maybe it's a particular future that you want. Has your life ever been shattered? I think that if you can say yes to any of those, you can relate very well to Cleopas and his companion. Those questions are real. 
And I can tell you that over the course of the last two plus years, I have asked those questions over and over. Who am I now? Who is the church going to be at the other side of this? What is it going to be like to be a pastor in a, in a world that's very different? Much of what I held dear and familiar was gone, is gone. And I have to figure out where I am in all that. Sometimes I wish that we could just go back to normal. Do you know that word, normal? But, you know, I'm thinking that, that we do ourselves a disservice when we talk about a new normal. Because I think that we're evolving, that we're changing. And I don't know what the church the big church, the church universal. I don't know what it's going to look like going forward. There's a book that um, I go to and have gone to since I was in seminary, and that was a book written by Brian McLaren that talks about the church on the other side. And one of the quotes that, and I'm actually using it in my, my doctoral project, is um, that everything changes, everything will change, that, that it does. And it, that's that evolution kind of piece in what the world looks like. So everything changes. So as we look at this story, there's a couple of things to take note of. It's Easter morning. These two disciples are leaving Jerusalem, a place where they experienced pain and sorrow and loss. It was a place of death, unmet expectations and disappointment. It was a place where their lives were literally torn apart. As they walk, they are talking about the things that happened and probably all the things that didn't happen. Remember what the expectation was for Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Remember that Palm Sunday place where they were expecting the Messiah to be king. And yet then the rest of Holy Week happens and that isn't actualized. They're talking about Jesus' arrest and his torture, his crucifixion and his death. They're talking about the hope that didn't materialize, the expectations that were unmet, how their situation did not bring about the change they wanted, the change they hoped for. They are disappointed and sad and they, because they hoped that Jesus would be the one. But Jesus is dead. Part of them is feeling lost. They heard these rumors that he was alive, but it all sounded like wishful thinking or an impossible dream. There was nothing to keep them in Jerusalem. Their lives have been torn apart. So they go out and they head toward Emmaus. We're not told why they chose to go to Emmaus. Why there? There were other places they could have gone. Um, but maybe they just wanted to get away 
to a place, any place, that felt more comfortable than being in Jerusalem. Maybe that was it. There was nothing really to keep them there in Jerusalem. Emmaus or whatever is different than where we are now is kind of our escape from the, the sorrows of life. If we, if we put it in line with ourselves, that I, I have to admit my escape is going to the beach and I can sit there and I can watch the waves come in and go out and renew my soul. When I feel empty, that's where I go. But usually it takes me a while to decide that that's what I need to do because I'm in that place of sorrow. I'm in that place of emptiness for a long time before I thought, why don't I just go? Why don't I just do this? So they encounter Jesus there on that road but they don't know it's him. They think it's a stranger. And they think it's actually the one person in all the world who doesn't know what happened. Isn't that kind of funny when you think about it? That's where they go. You know, Jesus asked them what happened and they go there thinking he's the one person who doesn't know. But he's the one person that knew better than anyone else. The one person. And so they have that conversation. He talks to them about the scriptures. He opens their eyes and their hearts to all of those things. And he opens their lives to restoration again. Talks about how the place in which they came back to themselves when they knew what had happened was when he took the bread and he broke it and he gave gave it to them in the breaking of the bread. I think sometimes we have to come to this table even if what we want to do is run away. We have to come to this table even if we feel unworthy. We have to come to this table because it's in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup that we are bound together in the love that we are given. We're bound together in the hope that we are given. We're bound together in things that make for peace and for life. I think it's really fascinating that most of the encounters with Jesus post-resurrection are encounters where he feeds people. I think that that speaks to us in a very deep way because I don't know about you, but sometimes I hunger for something I don't even know what it is. And Jesus goes, you know, we ta we've talked about the, the fish being cooked by the seashore. We've talked about Jesus being with the disciples in the, in the room and him sharing bread with them, there's something in the eating, in the filling. There's something that actually understands that we hunger. I'm not talking 
growly hunger pains either. Our tummies that make so much noise in church, we hear it in the back of the room. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the hunger that's deep within our soul. And I think that, that this story, these people walking on this, leaving sorrow, going to this place, having their hunger taken care of by the one who brings hope to the world, that allows them then to go back to Jerusalem, take two, as very different people than the people who began on that journey. How many of you have started on the journey of life, got to a place and realized that you're a very different person than you were before? This is our story. This is our story. Because we hunger for many things. We're fed by the one who loves us, and then we can encounter life in a whole new way. Wow. That is so incredibly rich. So what does that mean for us as a church? I've been thinking about that in this last week. I spent uh, time with my granddaughter, Dakota, who just turned two. And I tell you, she has lots of energy. But what I've noticed with Dakota is that she needs to eat pretty regularly. And she's a snacker. And her person is totally different after she's had that snack, after she's had that encounter. And I think that when we hunger for normal, in quotes, because I don't think that exists. It might be on my dryer, but I don't think it exists. When we hunger for normal, that's a really normal response. When we hunger for things to go back the way they were, that's a, no, that's a normal response. When we hunger for something to be different, that's a normal response. But if we take a hint from this scripture, they encountered Jesus, and when they went back, they were changed. And their circumstances on how they dealt with what had been going on changed as well. So bear with me here for a moment because I want to think about together this whole thing with this pandemic that changed who we are as church. I think that we got through most of it. I'm not saying it's all over yet because I hear every day of people coming down with COVID. I don't think it's over, but we're at this place right now. So we've, we have this, this hunger at this place to be back to all the things we did before. And we've gotten some of those things back, right? We can have coffee after church. We can sing some songs. We can do some of that stuff. And so we can. But then as we sit at this place, I wonder what exactly 
Jesus is saying to us? What is he revealing to us about who we're going to be in the future? What is he revealing to me as an individual about who I'm going to be in the future? You see, I don't think it's a bad thing to go back to some of the things that we've done before. But I think that if we expect ourselves to be the same, I am the same person I was March of 2020. If I, if I think that I'm the same person, then I'm not going to grow. If the church thinks it's the same as it was then, we're missing out. And so part of what we're doing in this time with me here as your interim pastor is we're looking at ways in which Jesus can prepare us for the journey. What is our bread? What do we need to break open? Who do we need to become? Because I sincerely believe that even going back to Jerusalem means we're changed. And we are not alone. Did you notice in that story that Jesus vanished, but then where did he meet them? In where? Jerusalem, again. They went back to that. The brokenness and the sorrow that Cleophas and the other disciple felt when they left Jerusalem was very heavy, as often our sorrow, often our brokenness is really heavy. But then we meet Jesus in some way. And how I meet Jesus isn't the same as how you meet Jesus. And then we return. Very different people. So you see, I think this story invites us to ask a few questions. First off, what today in your life is being broken open? What needs to be broken open that hasn't happened yet? What in your present circumstances is being or needs to be restored and put back together? You see the, the, the disciples went on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem toward Emmaus and back to Jerusalem. This was restoration. And in our lives as well, when things are falling apart, there's that invitation in the breaking of the bread, 
to be restored, to be changed, to encounter life in a whole new way. There aren't any right or wrong answers to those questions. And it may be that you're not asking those questions this day. But sometime, somewhere, you're going to encounter those kinds of questions. What is being broken open for you today? What needs to be broken open? And what needs to be restored? Jesus was in Jerusalem before Cleophas and his companion ever left. He was with them on the road to Emmaus. He was in the breaking of the bread. He was already in Jerusalem when they returned. All of those intersections of them and Jesus point us to the ways that Jesus intersects with our lives. And do you know what those intersections are called? Those places where maybe the, the veil is thin and there's that Jesus sighting that happens. You know what that is? Those are gifts of God for the people of God. Praise be to God this day. May you see, may you feel, may you know restoration, even as we move forward from here. Amen.